Today we are facing some of the greatest challenges of our lives, from our health to political unrest, the environment, financial uncertainty, and the nation's racial divide. Welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. My idea for this show was to invite guests and get the conversation started, to take a deep dive into the issues that impact our world with an eye to exploring solutions. And we encourage our listeners to look within themselves to take decisive action to make a positive difference. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Bill Myers Inspires. I am your host, Bill Myers. Uh, I am so excited for today's show. We have a fantastic guest. And as we continue our series of deep dives and hard looks into the topic of racism, we're excited to have with us today a remarkable and dynamic woman as our guest, Miss Sharon Leslie Morgan. But before we get into the conversation today, I would like to take a moment to pay our respects to another remarkable human being, a civil rights leader and activist that was laid to rest this week. I speak of none other than the iconic American statesman, the Honorable Congressman John Lewis. Congressman Lewis, in his final days, drafted an essay at the time he knew he was going to be leaving us. I heard this essay read by Morgan Freeman just yesterday, and I felt compelled to share a portion with you today as a way of setting the stage for today's discussion. And I quote, You must also study and learn the lessons of history because humanity has been involved in the soul-wrenching existential struggle for a very long time. People on every continent have stood in your shoes, though decades and centuries before us. The truth does not change, and that is why the answers worked out long ago can help you find solutions to the challenges of our time. Continue to build union between movements stretching across the globe because we must put away our willingness to profit from the exploitation of others. Though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. In my life, I have done all I can to demonstrate all the ways of peace, the way of love, and nonviolence is the more excellent way. Now it is your turn to let freedom ring. When historians pick up their pens to write the story of the 21st century, let them say that it was your generation who laid down the heavy burdens of hate at last, and that peace finally triumphed over violence, aggression, and war. So I say to you, Walk with the wind, brothers and sisters, and let the spirit of peace and the power of everlasting love be your guide. These are some of the final words from the Honorable Congressman John Lewis. May he forever rest in peace. At this time, I would like to introduce our guest for today. You know, as we 
As people love learning about their family tree via websites such as Ancestry.com, black people in America face many hurdles in discovering their ancestry as they were relegated to a status of property rather than as a human being. Poor record-keeping and the systematic dismantling of the black family unit for generations through the sale of black people as valuable property, which resulted from America's institution of slavery. The, I'm sorry, I lost my place. How, then, can black people search for their ancestry? Founder of OurBlackAncestry.com, Sharon Leslie Morgan provides helpful information and guidance as to the challenges and meaningful steps and paths forward for black people as they embark on the amazing journey of discovering their ancestry, who they are, and where they come from. Sharon Leslie Morgan is the founder of OurBlackAncestry.com, a website devoted to helping people appreciate and explore African-American family history and culture. For more than 25 years, Sharon has been researching her family history in Lowndes County, Alabama, and Noxabee County, Mississippi. She is a member of several genealogical associations, including the National Genealogical Society, the African-American Historical and Genealogical Society, and local societies in the geographic areas of her research. Professionally, Sharon is a marketing communications consultant, a pioneer in multicultural marketing. She is the founder of the National Black Public Relations Society, worked for a multitude of Fortune 100 companies, including Coca-Cola, McDonald's, and Walmart, and spent many years living abroad in the Caribbean, Europe, and Africa. Sharon's first book, My Daddy is a Cool Dude, was published in 1975 by the Dial Press and nominated for a prestigious Caldecott Medal for children's literature. She is also the co-author of Real Women Cook, Building Healthy Communities with Recipes that Stir the Soul. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my supreme pleasure to welcome to this show today my buddy, Miss Sharon <laughs> Leslie Morgan. <laughs> I am laughing. You made me sound so good. It's like, wow. <laughs> well, you know, you you got to do something in that life to 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 amass all that narrative. You know, you get around quite a bit. Honey, and I'm at a point in my life where I've lived so long. It's like I can't even remember all the stuff I've done. <laughs> So Sharon, I, I want to start this conversation with what what was it? What was the origin or the start starting place for you to become interested in uh, tracing your geneal genealogical roots? I'm tongue twisted today. Genealogical. I need to work on that. So what that what inspired you really, to that word is really hard. It it is it is. Yeah. So the thing that got me started was having a baby. So in 1969, okay. I had my one and only child, and when he was born, it really brought to mind, where did we come from? Who do we belong to? And it really, becoming a parent, as you will know, is 
really evokes a lot of emotion because you just really want to know where'd you come from. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first thing. Then the next thing was I started doing research on my family because nobody ever talked about it, where we came from and who we were. And in questioning my father, I found out that my great-grandmother, who was actually alive when I was a child, he told me that she had been enslaved. So I was three when I met her, and I, I I remember her. I remember seeing her, but of course I'm a little bitty kid, so I couldn't say anything. So when he told me her history, that she had been uh, emancipated from slavery in Lowndes County, Alabama, it really hit me because it said to me that slavery was not that, not so old that we can't remember because it existed in my lifetime because she existed in my lifetime. Mm. And yeah. then moving forward, I researched, asked a lot of questions, and realized that I have more than two dozen ancestors, if not more, who were enslaved. And I eventually continued my research and have documented, my goal has been to document the names of the people who were enslaved. And it became a mission that I have continued throughout the rest of my life into establishing our black ancestry to help other people do that. Yeah. Wow. So it was by having a child that in, that inspired you to look back and to see where where do I come from? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's But we all do all so, human beings I think have a have an innate desire to know where we came from. And for black people that has been obscured because of slavery. Our families were torn apart. We have no idea who we're related to, really. When I look at my research and I see my great-great-grandparents, they I see them alone, but I know they must have had brothers and sisters. They had mothers and fathers. But mm -hmm. that's not apparent in the research. Wow. So, so now how do you navigate? How, I mean, what is that process? Because it, it would seem, it, it seems perfectly logical that at a certain point, uh, a black person going back and tracing their genealogy might, might hit that wall, uh, which yep. was slavery when everything sort of went into a, a blender or something. Um, so, so how do you navigate through that phase? That, that seems to me to be, uh, an intriguing point because, uh, because of the wall that you hit. So so how do you forge through that? I mean, what type of moves and what type of uh, uh, suggestions do you have or steps did you take to to move through that? The first wall that you hit is the 1870 census, which is the first federal census to document
we seem to have lost a signal with Sharon, and we will be able to reconvene here in just a minute with her once we make uh, contact once again. So we are we are here today discussing our Black ancestry with Sharon Leslie Morgan, who is the founder of Our Black Ancestry. So I think at this time what we will do is we will take a brief pause in order to uh, reestablish our connection with Sharon. So you are listening to Bill Myers Inspires right here on the Inspired Choices Network. And we are going to take a break right now, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We're back. We're here with our special guest today, Sharon Leslie Morgan, who is talking to us today about OurBlackAncestry.com. And we were just discussing how we navigate through as uh, black people searching for their ancestry. And you were just telling me something about a, a bill or something that happened in 1870s. Or Could you start there again, Sharon? Yes. The first federal census that recorded black people with surnames was in 1870. So what you do is you start there. You try to find your ancestor, and then you go back. In going back, you have to usually look for wills and deeds and other transactions from the slaveholders in order to find out whether or not you where your ancestors are. So it is a daunting process. But it is possible. So it's yes. important that we realize that you actually can do this. And some of it depends on luck because if a slaveholder died before 1865, you won't find your ancestor there. 
So it is daunting, but it is possible. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's an incredible amount of research. So, so how does how what what tools are there in existence today that may assist uh, black people in being able to to uh, uncover that? Of course, I know there's Ancestry.com, but again, I'm not quite sure how far back that goes. And and so you're the expert, so you can you can let me know. Well, there are two. Big possibilities. Ancestry.com is a subscription service. They have to pay for mm-hmm. it. And it's gotten progressively expensive over the years. So many uh-huh. people are not able to do that. Family Search, which is the Mormon church uh, website, is free. It's harder to negotiate uh, in terms of searching, but it is a, it is a fabulous resource. Okay. They are even now engaged in an effort to, it, they have something called the Royal Project, which is um, reclaiming our African ancestors. And so they're going to load in 2021 a huge amount of data that will enable people to connect with their enslaved ancestors. Wow, and and this is this so is, there are many, is the name of there are many things because they've come online. We used to have to do this when I started doing the research. I had to actually go to all the physical places in order to get the information. Now much of this is online, but some of it is not. So okay. it is important that you can start online, but eventually you have to go to your home place your home community in order to research in the courthouse. Yeah. Wow. So, so now what was the name, uh, the, the name of this, uh, not ancestry, but the, the, um, uh, the, the, it is family the organization search, at the moment. Familysearch.org. Familysearch.org. Okay. Okay. I want to make sure and get all these links and reference points, uh, after the show so that we can put them into the website so that everybody has access to this these wonderful uh, resources that you are naming. So now so when you go to uh when you're going into look at records you mentioned that you would have to go in and look at what deeds, property deeds, is that how uh, is that how slave transactions were recorded? Well, the first as, as thing pro- you look at property? is the first thing you look at is wills. Because people who were slaveholders, black people were property. So we are recorded in their wills often where they're giving inheritances to their children. And they will say, I'm giving a plow to my son, John. I'm giving the following slaves to my daughter, Nancy. Okay? So that's one. And then you have to look at the whole record, not just the will. But there is a probate record that has an inventory of all of their possessions. So you will find a list of the my slaves, and they will name however many people, and it will give them a value. So Tom is worth a thousand dollars. Susie is worth five hundred dollars. 
Okay, so that's one. Two is deeds, because when they transferred property or sold property, just like land, they mm -hmm. would say, I am selling uh, Mary to John Doe for $100. So you, the deeds are important, too. Wow. So now, so now how do you navigate the, the issue of name changes? That, that's, that has perplexed me, the idea of, of the property and then uh, the changing of names and, uh, and, and all that. How do you track that type of activity? That can be incredibly difficult because, as I said, in 1870, that is the first time we had public surnames. So what will happen is that black people could choose any name they wanted. It could be the person who owned them at that moment. It could be the first slaveholder. It could be the last slaveholder. It could be just a name that they liked. So you have a lot of names like General, Mabel, uh, something that appealed George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. I mean, any name that you wanted. So those are hard to suss through, but it takes, it just takes research to try to figure it out. Wow. Yeah, that would seem pretty incredible. I, I have a, uh, uh, I'm, I'm engaged in a little bit of a project. So I am trying to find out about my great grandfather. My grandfather uh, when I was coming up as a little guy, he would he would mention to me uh, very little about his father because apparently he left when he was about four years old, so he had not a lot of uh, memory or experiences to share about his father. But uh, he would just reference uh, when I would ask where his father was from, he would just say the British West Indies, British West Indies. Well, uh, about ten years ago when I was president of the Indianapolis Downtown Optimist Club, I was contacted from a an Optimist Club in Bridgetown, Barbados. And they were inquiring about me doing a jazz concert there as a fundraiser for their club. So um, we, we, we talked about that, and I agreed to it, and it was being sponsored by the United States Embassy. So I went over to Barbados, and I recall... The very first day that I was there, we were going to a grocery store so that I could pick up a few items. And uh, as we were walking along, I started giggling. And my host said, well, Bill, what's so funny? And I said, I feel like I'm in an entire country of people mm. just like my grandfather. Mm. Because everyone greeted one another. It was eye contact. It was very cordial. My grandfather worked a room like nobody's business. He could have four or five hundred people in there. And I'm telling you, he would make personal eye contact and greet all 400 people. He worked a room. like It was a, it was a wonderful piece of choreography to watch him move, mm. you know, so swiftly mm. through that. Well, it was several years ago, about five years ago, um, that I was with a cousin during Thanksgiving, and he pointed to a picture on the wall, and it was my great-grandfather. He said, do you know who that is? I said, yeah, that's great-granddad. He said, yeah. And I said, you know, granddad uh, always uh, spoke of him, but he spoke about the, the British West Indies. He never identified a specific place. 
Where in the world was that? And my cousin looked at me and he said, Barbados. Mm. I said, what? I said, I was just in Barbados. And I recalled that statement that I made my first day there that I felt like I was surrounded by a whole country of people just like my grandfather. So I've been in contact with some of the ministers uh, um, in the Barbados government about going back and tracing my history um, to, to discover more about my family in Barbados. Now, apparently a sis, one of my sisters had told me that she had did a, a done an Ancestry.com sort of search or whatever, and she is suspecting that his name changed at the time that he came to the United States. And I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I just wanted to reflect on that because I am in the process of trying to discover my people in Barbados. And I would love to have any hints or tips that you might be able to offer. They they assured me that their government has impeccable records that go back several hundred years. So I would only be people, looking at about 1900, 1910. People do not realize that the way that slavery unfolded, there were groups of people who were brought directly to the Americas the United States that we know now, and there mm -hmm. were many, many people who had a side trip. So they were enslaved on the islands. So Barbados was a really big one, and I have an ancestor mm -hmm. there. And they, as the English colonized the rest of the world, the Caribbean was the first place that they colonized. And as the Caribbean islands got exploited to a point where they couldn't take any more population, those mm -hmm. people, the slaveholders, started moving to the Americas. So you had people who went to establish the plantation on Barbados, and then they would exhaust the land, and then they would come to the Amer to America and continue enslavement. So there's a huge amount of information, and there is a database for uh, the English colonies in the Caribbean. So you okay. will be surprised. You might find a Myers uh, in Barbados that you would be able to track back to the United States. Okay, okay. Well, when I spoke to the to uh, one of the uh, ministers of culture or something like that, he had said to me that when I said Myers, he said, "Oh, yes, we have." A <laughs> that that's a big. I found that's a big names in my family, uh, which are not as popular in the United States. I lived in Jamaica, uh -huh. and it's like they were really popular in Jamaica. So my family uh -huh. names were Nicholson and Leslie, and it's like, wow, there's not a lot of us here for black people, but in uh -huh. Jamaica, those names are very common. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. With a population of only a couple hundred thousand people in Barbados, I'm reasonably confident that I was probably speaking to several relatives. <laughs> when I was saying yeah, that. absolutely. I, that is absolutely possible. Wow, wow. And that's well, kind you know of what, what we don't understand. I mean, this is a worldwide, our diaspora 
is very large, and we do not understand the connections that we have. Even when you go back to Africa, you do not understand how connected how connected you might be. Wow, you you know there there was a. Um... When I was in Barbados, uh, I, I went there two years in a row. The first year, I was, of course, there to do the concert. The second year I was there was to do a concert as well, but I was there for about two weeks as opposed to about four days. And mm-hmm. during during that time, I asked my host if I could go see, you know, what Barbados uh, really looked like, you know, get me out of the tourism side of this thing. I want to see the other side. I want to see the other part. And... So we took a tour to the other side of the island. The Caribbean Ocean side, of course, is very serene and beautiful postcard-like uh, mm. experience. But then and we went to the Atlantic o- side. <laughs> oh, we went to the Atlantic side exactly. And I'm right. telling you, the, the ocean was violent. It was about 20 degrees cooler, and I mean, these waves and stuff were just crashing and smashing into these into the uh to the rocks and that sort of thing and i i thought about that and i thought wow this is what the people coming off of these you know ships this is what they experienced this was the welcome side that they saw and many of those slave trails and stuff are still there and ironically a lot of the plantations um, that were sugarcane and that sort of thing. You driving through some of those little roads, you'd hear this truck coming around the bend, and there's three or four, you know, uh, black guys on the back of a pickup truck that's wheeling around the corner that is stuffed with sugarcane, and they're holding machetes. They are still doing the very same work now. Yes, and that that is true. That, that was a moonwalk back for me because I was like stunned because all of a sudden I felt like I was really <laughs> back a hundred, two hundred years or so. Um, very yeah, no, when you leave Bridge, when you leave Bridgetown, the capital, and you uh-huh. go out into the country parts, it's a whole different picture because the past is present. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it was, and, and that was, again, it was, it was, it was just totally awesome to, to experience and, um, and see the other side. Whenever I go somewhere, I kind of want to, I don't want to go to McDonald's in Paris. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, why would I do no, that? No kidding. <laughs> you know, it's like, why well, would go, you do that? Right. You want to go to Barbados and eat flying fish and, exactly. you know, well, yeah. So I want to experience, you know, I want to see how folks live, and and I want to actually get something from that as opposed to the Americanized version of that experience that's being shoved down my throat that I don't want. That's why I I traveled and got a passport. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you're not a tourist. You're a whole different, you know, thing. Because everywhere I've been, I've lived many places around the world, and I often thought... I am working the slave route in reverse. So I was grow I was born and raised in Chicago and uh-huh. when the government gave me a passport it was like, Whoa <laughs> the world is my oyster <laughs> And I first went to Jamaica where I lived for five years, which uh-huh. was incredibly enlightening, just like Barbados is. And then I went to South Africa and then I went to France. 
And in Jamaica, I gained this huge understanding about how slavery works. And like I said, I found my family names there, and it was amazing. And I went to South Africa, and I had a similar experience reconnecting with my ancestry in Africa and being able mm. to see how the history was so much the same. And then that made me curious about the Europeans who enslaved us. And I went to France, and it was like, whoa, okay. So, <laughs> you know, it is not, I mean, it's a very big picture. It is very hard to uh, digest. But sure. we really need to do that in order to make ourselves better people and to understand when you know where you come from, you know where you can go. Right, exactly, exactly. And on that note, we're going to take a brief pause for the cause. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires right here on the Inspired Choices Network. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. You're listening to Bill Myers Inspires here on the Inspired Choices Network. We're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us. And now, let's get back to the conversation. We're back with our special guest today, Miss Sharon Leslie Morgan. Sharon, it is a, indeed a treat to have you on here chopping it up for a while. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Somebody's glad to hear me chopping it up. <laughs> well, you know, and I look forward to, of course, next week when we when we have the the two of you, Tom Thomas Norman DeWolf, and yourself, uh, sharing the space and and sharing with us your experiences of uh, gathering at the table, which I'm so looking forward to. So I want to. But I do want to ask you about something else right now. I want to I want to ask you about your thoughts about what's going on right now in this here place. We are dealing with a pandemic. We are dealing with uh, uh, political chaos, mayhem. We are dealing with Black Lives Matter. Um, Tom described it as the perfect storm. And I thought that was uh, interesting. So I want to ask you, where are we now? What are your thoughts about what you see going on in our society currently and around the world, quite frankly, because I think that it is it is uh, has resonated 
in many other places around the world. So. <laughs> that is a really provocative question. And I have to I have to resist spewing expletives to describe how I feel. We are living in a time, I believe, of great change. As we have witnessed John Lewis being laid to rest, the message of his life was getting into good trouble, which means doing things that will change the paradigm. We have a system that has made it uh, normal to disenfranchise people. Mm. And I am so proud to see young people, old people, white people, black people, everybody getting into the streets and resisting. Because what we need is a change of paradigm. If we are ever going to solve the problem of race, it has to be everybody at the wheel trying to make change. And that will require getting into good trouble. So going to jail, resisting in any way possible, and most of all at this moment is getting your ass out on November 2nd to vote. Yeah. Because that is our democratic right, and even though the Voting Rights Act has been suspended, and even though voter suppression, voter suppression uh, has become the thing for the Bulgarian regime to do, we have to resist that, and we have to vote. And we have to make our voices heard. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm certainly hoping that just as uh, we all try to figure out from where we stand uh, what and how we may contribute to uh, making that change, uh, I am um, pleased and, and uh, excited to be able to use this platform to perhaps take a look into some of the things uh, that that we have been uh, plagued with for since the beginning of the, the nation, which is the, the the race issue, and so I am grateful to have the, again this platform and this opportunity to be able to have these very powerful and direct conversations with people such as yourself and Thomas Norm DeWolf. I, I want to share some good news with you. Um, uh, this last week, and I would like to share this with all the listeners, and I, I should start by saying thank you. Thank you to everyone who's tuned in to listen to this show. This is my third show. So after uh, I had completed my second show, I was informed by the network that I was selected as the featured host of the week. So I am I thank you, Inspired Choices, for that 
that acknowledgement. Uh, it means a lot. It's, it's certainly encouraging moving forward. And I just want to say thank you to the network and thank you to all of the listeners out there. And thank you to my wonderful guests who are definitely making this conversation lively and, uh, and making it happen. So thank you all. Yeah, Bill, you are a incredibly conscious and devoted person, and I am so happy to see you on this platform. You live a life. I know you. I know your daddy, and I know you to be a person of such incredible moral fortitude that you are doing really great things, and I really want to see this go on. And I'm, I'm going to shout out to Vivi right now, your beloved wife, because y'all are a great team, and, you know, you're making, <laughs> you're making changes that are really good in the world. Well, thank you so much. We're just just doing, doing what we got to do, doing what we got to do, you know, trying to And trying we all... We all have to put our shoulders to the wheel. Yes. You know, because mm. we are responsible for our fate. We are responsible for making the world that we want to live in. We are responsible for being the change that you want to see in the world. So you are doing that, and I'm very proud of you. Well, thank uh, you so much. You know, and hey, here's a new platform to make it happen. Right, right. Well, like I say, I'm very grateful. Uh, it, everything is, is, is sort of just magically moved into place. And so um, I'm, I'm grateful for all of the hands on deck. They, there's a whole lot of shoulders put to this wheel. <laughs> just to get this is that magic or is that the ancestors stepping in to make sure that everything is all right? You know, I believe that the latter is absolutely true. The latter mm. is absolutely true. Uh, this is definitely divinely guided. Uh, let me say mm. that. And um, I am, I am curious to know, as we talk about, you 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 mentioned the the statement, very famous quote there: "Be the change that you seek." I want you to to sort of drill into that for a second, because I think sometimes we we sort of bumper stickerize and trivialize. Uh, statements like that, and I would like for you to take a moment and just take a stab at at what that statement actually means to be the change that you seek. What it says to me is I decided a very long time ago that if I am not happy with something that is going on in the world, I can have influence over that. I can resist, I can comment, I can do something. And and I have consistently done that. When we talk about genealogy, I have made a place with our black ancestry where we can actually find, look for, and hopefully find our ancestors. And that makes a change in, a, in how a person feels about themselves. And I am not content to sit back and just watch things unfold. I vote. I am active in my community. 
I am active in teaching my grandchildren about our past and what it means to be a good citizen and what it means to make a difference. You cannot just stand silent because silence is complicity. If you stand silent when something horrible is happening, you are complicit. It's like in Nazi Germany. Everybody said, oh, no, I didn't do anything. No, they did nothing, and that was that helped propel it. So mm-hmm. we have to stand strong, uh, exercise your beliefs, and don't let people get away with, don't let them, don't be silent. You know, you have to speak. You have to, you know, you have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's so very important. My grandfather, one of the things that he sort of pounded into my head, it was a, a mantra of sorts, was always st- stating to me the importance of being a good steward of your community. A good steward of your community. Yeah, your dad. Your dad was, was the same guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 54 years on the police department serving the community. Yes. Yeah. And so, and you know, but, but the beautiful thing about that is uh, it immediately takes the focus off of you being worried about you. You know what I mean? Because it's all about how are you serving another? How are you in service to another? How are you assisting another on their journey? And so that that seems to be to be, to be very important. I, the, the greatest thrill in the world for me is not at all speaking about myself, but being able to speak about someone else. You know, being able to lift them up actually makes my heart uh, smile every time I'm able because to. Because we live in the, we live in this world together. You don't live here alone. It's like it's not your earth. It's everybody's. And you cannot be so absorbed in yourself that you don't think about the other person. What about the homeless guy? What about, you know, somebody who is struggling, to a woman who is struggling to raise her children? And you have to, we are in this together. It is a community. And you have to think of it in that way. We would never have survived slavery if that had not happened. We have these incredibly strong shoulders to stand upon where mm. people had a sense of community, a sense of wrong and right, a sense of there we can be a better day. And we really need to get back to that because we American people have lived all over the world. I want to say this. American people have become so selfish and so self-absorbed that they do not have any idea of what it means to share and to be uh, empathetic and to be compassionate because they're only thinking about themselves. We cannot exist if we don't join together and, you know, and make a com- and, and support community. And I'm sorry to be on my soapbox. No, that, no. That's incredibly important to me. 
because you, we can't. We don't live here alone. We live here with others. We have to love, appreciate, and really uh, extend ourselves sometimes to help that community be strong and productive and, you know, and conscious. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I want to I want to visit that story that I shared with you earlier about my my time in Barbados. It was another episode when I was going with a host to um, to the store again. But we were at a store and we could not figure out where in the world the the front door was. And yeah. so we were walking around this building and walking around it and walking around it. You could see a parking lot. I mean, it was stuffed. You know, so you knew people were there. It was just why didn't they make it easier to get inside? But as we were walking back and forth trying to figure it out, we walked past uh, a group of three gentlemen that were sitting on the curb enjoying a brown bag, passing it back and mm. forth and laughing and cutting up and having a great time. And there was some rum in that bag, right? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sure it was. I'm sure there was some magic juju in there. So hey. as, I, as we walked by them the second time, I heard, hey, and I turned around and one of them had stood up and he said, you know, uh, he, he chastised us for how incredibly rude it was for us to walk by them without acknowledging them and speaking to them and how that was just unacceptable for about 10 minutes, got a pretty serious tongue lashing because there mm -hmm. culturally. It is completely unacceptable and, and rude beyond measure to walk by another human being and not make eye contact with them and greet them. And what is so mm. ironic to me is how we walk through America day after day, grocery store, convenience store, you name it, and people literally cut their eyes away from you. Or mm. you, you intentionally act like you don't see each other, like you just sort of these uh, invisible spirits sort of passing when in fact I see you and I, and, and, and it really, uh, really hit me strong when I came back to the States after that, because I was able to do a direct comparison of how humanity shows up and how our attitudes toward one another and what we have created as acceptable or normal behavior that is completely abnormal you know what I mean? How we've created this whole other paradigm, as you say, that is out of touch with humanity itself. That just I that live really in a tiny little town in central eastern Mississippi. I grew up in Chicago. When mm -hmm. I moved here two years ago, it was shocking to me. Everybody waves at you. Everybody like acknowledges your presence. Everybody, mm -hmm. when you go to the grocery store, is like, hey! And <laughs> that is a lovely thing because it's like, wow, these people don't know me. They don't mm -hmm. have, I'm in my Chicago mode where it's like, I'm not having a, uh, I, I did, just didn't appreciate that. And I saw them do that, and it's like, wow. And I love it because it yeah. is an expression of community. It is acknowledging yeah. your humanity. It is respecting you as a person. 
it is like really an awesome thing to have happen. And I am so glad I'm here now amongst the cotton fields and, the, you know, all the other historical harm that happened. There are such good things that we have to get back to. Wow. So has it grounded you? Is that the word? I mean, has, has moving back to Mississippi in the time you're there, has that felt like a grounding experience for you? A reconnection? Yeah. Experience? As long as I don't have to pick cotton, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I hear you. I hear you. It's so it's so amazing. I was talking to some musician buddies of mine in Muscle Shoals, and they were expressing that uh, their feeling about racism in the Muscle Shoals music uh, scene and and that sort of thing, and and uh, their uh, openness and understanding of sort of the experience uh, that black people had uh, down there, because they they said, you know, well, we worked right alongside them. You know, my people they were also cotton picking folk and everything else. That was all the work that there was, you know. So, Sharon, it has been a joy and a pleasure having you here today. And I so look forward to next week when we can chop it up some more. <laughs> My dear, here we go. Yeah, yeah. So um, you have been listening to Bill Myers Inspires right here on the Inspired Choices Network. I am your host, Bill Myers, and we've enjoyed this conversation today with our special guest. Miss Sharon Leslie Morgan. And she will be returning with us next week and joining Thomas Norman DeWolf. And they will discuss a book that they co-wrote, an experience that they co-walked, uh, called Gathering at the Table. And we so look forward to the continuation of this discussion as we move towards healing and understanding uh, in our next episode. So, Sharon, once again, it's been a delight having you with us, my dear. Thank you, Boo. <laughs> All right. So now um, we we thank you for tuning in to us today. Um, sorry, we had a couple of little technical glitches today, but we're still here, and we're glad that you're here with us. We look forward to you joining us next week, Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending your afternoon right here with us at Bill Myers Inspire. Remember, we're here every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Inspired Choices Network. Remember to take time this week to take a breath and look within yourself and figure out how you can make a positive difference in this world. Spread the word, and we'll see you here next Friday.